Welcome to the Firearms Trainers Podcast, part of ConcealedCarry.com network. I'm your host, Rob Beckman, and in this episode, we'll be talking about the critical classroom skill of great storytelling. We bring you this podcast to support the industry, the Second Amendment, and most importantly, every firearm instructor in America that dedicates time and energy into making gun owners more knowledgeable. This episode is also brought to you by our friends at the FTA, the Firearms Trainers Association. Head on over to their website at ftaprotect.com to learn more about their instructor coverage and their competitive pricing. Receive a special 10% off by entering promo code FTP10 at checkout. This episode is brought to you by Mantis X. The Mantis X is a must-have for any serious firearm instructor. The Mantis X is a high-tech, lightweight, precision sensor that attaches to a gun, analyzes shooters' movement patterns, and displays all the information in real time on a smartphone or tablet. The Manus X gives instructors objective, data-driven feedback on things that you and I can't see so that you can coach your students more effectively. Get 10% off with promo code FTP10 at mantisx.com. Today, we'll be talking with Michael Davis from Speaking CPR, the storytelling MD. Welcome, Michael. How are things going for you today? Things are going very well. Thanks for having me on, Rob. And I think it's important that your listeners should know that I am wearing my Second Amendment t-shirt I underneath my jacket right now. <laughs> so I am wholeheartedly a supporter of the message you're trying to get out there. Great, great. Well, we're really happy to have you on because, like I said, you know, storytelling is one of those really, I think, critical skills to reinforce the message that we're trying to get across in all the classes that we're doing. And since probably most of our listeners probably don't know who you are, Michael, can you give us a little bit of your background and what you do with Speaking CPR? Yeah, happy to, Rob. Uh, I've devoted my life the last two years to starting a a full-time business where I'm helping people become better presenters, especially in the realm of storytelling. Uh, Like I said, I started this full-time two years ago, but I was a financial advisor for 30 years. And over those years, I got exposed to more and more opportunities to give workshops and seminars. And back in 1994, my boss told me in no uncertain terms that I was not very good at it. (laughs) And he essentially threatened me my job. He said, you either fix this, get better or else. And out of sheer desperation, I joined a group called Toastmasters. I know you're familiar with Toastmasters. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was there I discovered that I had this misconception about speaking that most people have, and that is the myth of the born speaker. Fantastic speakers and storytellers are not born, they are made. And it was, that was what really began my journey. And over the last 25 years, I've been very fortunate to uh, meet people who became mentors, who are world-class speakers, uh, leaders, even a Hollywood scriptwriting consultant, a, a Las Vegas headliner, and they've all helped mold my perspective on storytelling. And I, I do it because I see the power that story has. A big concern I have is something you mentioned that storytelling is prevalent out there today. But a lot of people don't know how to tell an effective story to get their point across and, and do it in a way that people remember the point. So that's, in a, in a nutshell, how I got to, to be where I am today. It's my passion. It's it's what I think I have a mission to do now. Mm-hmm. Well, definitely, I follow you on YouTube and Facebook and such, and you uh, definitely put out a lot of good good material. And that's where you know found you, and that's where I thought it'd be really interesting to have somebody come on to talk about storytelling. 
Oh, yeah. And I, I appreciate you following me. You've always uh, made a lot of nice comments. So I, I always appreciate that. Mm-hmm. Well, and that's one of the things where, you know, some of our fire instructors might be sitting out there scratching their head. It's like, do I, do I go along and, you know, press, you know, fast forward, go through this episode, but I would go along and challenge you to listen to the episode because I think good instructors, no great instructors that want to be successful, know how to go along and master public speaking. And part of public speaking is being able to go along and weave memorable stories into your presentations, not just old war stories, but memorable to where when people leave your class, your, 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 wherever you're talking, they don't go along and think about, oh, I got, I got more emails to reply to, or, you know, you know, what am I going to have for dinner? They're sitting there going along and saying, you know, that point really made, made sense to me. And they remember it. And when we get the topics of self-defense, firearms, those types of things, there are a lot of things that we need people to know and understand in order to be safe with them, in order to stay legal with them. And those are all things why I you know, invited Mike to come on the podcast and really educate us all on how to go along and make better stories to go along and make and reinforce our points that we're trying to to get make with our students so mike first question for you sure why use a story i mean we talked about it maybe there's some instructors that like i don't tell stories during my class but why would a story be good to go along and to use to reinforce a point well rob that it's a very common question and i understand why people ask it and it's because the bottom line is we think in stories Mm -hmm. There's been a tremendous amount of research done on the brain and its uh, relationship to stories in this century. And there's no doubt that there are biochemical reactions in our bodies when we hear an emotional, sensory-rich story. They've done, the doctor named Yuri Hassan out of Princeton University back in the early part of the century did MRI studies. And they showed that a listener to a story, their brains will light up in all the same areas as the person telling the story. And what they gathered from that, it was as if the listener was reliving the story with the teller. It taps into something that we've been experiencing ever since our earliest ancestors could communicate, even before we had a written language, before we, uh, in some cases, even a verbal language. When we were grunting and, 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 and just making basic noises, we were telling stories. So it is, it's imprinted in who we are. So well, that's, that's, that's the mm-hmm. first reason. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, that's, that's great. And I'm just thinking as you're describing that, what I remember most when I'm doing something, you know, teachers in school or, you know, pe- people I've had at work, been people who have been able to go along and tie some dry topic, you know, uh, geometry to, to some emotion. If they can go along and describe how this, this topic, this very dry, mundane topic ties into an emotion, it makes connection with me. And I think that's where, you know, when we're talking about firearms, you know, using a story there to go along and explain why you want to go along and grip a firearm a certain way you know, keeping your finger on the frame, all those different aspects that I know from an instructor standpoint, we're always trying to reinforce their students. But if we give them a good reason for it, put into a story, then all of a sudden we've made a connection with them to where, like you said, our synapse in our brain are firing the same way as we're trying to tell them next time they pick up the firearm, 
their, their grips proper, their fingers in the proper place, we've made a connection with them. So that's great. Yeah, and I love the example you use about the instructor. And I, I also appreciate what you said. Yeah, you might want to run past this episode, but think about this. If you're an instructor, you've had instructors in your life all the way back to your earliest child, your earliest memories. Your first instructors were your parents, most likely, your grandparents, mm -hmm. teachers, favorite high school teachers. If you went to college, college, or if you were in, um, college professors, if you were in the military, you had uh, drill instructors, uh, particular leaders. If you look at the common thread I'm going to guess they were really good at telling stories to make their points. And that's mm -hmm. a big concern that I have with storytelling is a lot of people are out telling stories, but they don't have points. Mm -hmm. They just give a bunch of facts and they think they're telling a, a story, but it's really what I would call a narrative. The difference between a narrative and a story to me is narrative is fact, 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 fact. Maybe there's a point in there, but you've got to work very hard to find it. Story is a setup. You've got a character, relatable person, who meets an obstacle while they're trying to pursue a goal. And somewhere in there, they get some wisdom, usually from a person who's often called the guide or the guru. They're different names. And that individual, the guide, helps that character overcome the obstacle and accomplish the goal and live a new life. Now, that isn't just stories. It isn't just Luke Skywalker trying to become a Jedi. It isn't Ahab trying to overcome the whale or any of those stories. It's every day. It could be a story that you're telling a, a student in one of your classes about someone who is really struggling to learn how to properly handle a firearm. That could mm -hmm. be a simple story where you're showing someone who struggled, struggled, was actually almost ready to give up. Then you gave them some unique insights the light bulb went on and they got it. And today they are a responsible citizen who's able to protect him or herself because they overcame that frustration. No. Here, here's a simple question for you. How long should a story be? I hesitate to give a pat answer. I mean, one of the best <laughs> answers I ever heard, if it's well constructed and it's emotionally gripping, it, it, it could be several minutes. However, with that said, with our shorter attention spans today, I try to keep the stories from two to four minutes at most. Mm -hmm. So you don't, you don't have to have a long, you know, long, you know, 15, 20 minute story. You can make a, a story one, two, three minutes, as long as you go along and present it, like you said, you know, you know, put the obstacles out there and describe to how, how to overcome the obstacle and really make, make a difference in that person's uh, life and I've, I've used that in the classroom to help people through things because, I mean, let's put it this way. Some of the students that we get, you know, it's, it's a very emotional class for them because there's a reason behind why they're coming to the class Makes and sense. we need to go along and connect with them, let them know that they're not odd. It happens. We're there to go along and guide them through the class and make them, make them successful. Um, we can also have it, you know, as I said, on the range and there's people who struggle, you know, to be able to shoot properly. And there again, are they uh, at an abnormality? No, people struggle all the time. Heck, even I struggle from time to time about things to where it's just like, okay, let's rethink about this and get my head back in the, in the game. But those are all times when you've got a chance to, you know, plan a real quick one to two minute story on somebody and could 
really change their their entire day and make them successful. Yeah, that makes sense. And I, I'm guessing you do have a lot of people who they kind of feel stupid. You know, it, it, you. I know the the people who aren't familiar with firearms would think, "What well, is it? You just pick up a gun and fire, right?" Not that simple. You know, I I shoot guns. We've got a couple guns in our house. It's not as easy as you think. It's like in it's like I said before, like speaking and storytelling. It's a learnable skill, but at first we feel dumb. Mm-hmm. I should be able to do this. Now that's when you pull out stories of someone who was similar to that person. Say this this other person, Joe, had the exact same thing. Said the exact same thing to me. Went through what you did, and here's where he is today. He can handle a gun very well. Mm-hmm. I think one of the things is you were talking about, you know, the narrative versus the story during my career, I think we can probably all identify if we've worked for somebody else, the president of the company, the CEO, somebody stood up there and gave the results of the quarter, you know, Mm -hmm. gave us the, you know, Hey, we need to go along, you know, business is tight right now. You know, we need, you know, more sales and we need to cut cost. Okay. Everybody go out and do it. And you go leave from there and it's like, well, I really feel motivated by that. And, you know, all what I was yeah. told was, you know, increase sales and decrease costs. You know, nothing was tied to it. And we've also gone along and we've seen very good talks people have done for the TED Talks to where mm-hmm. people go along. And it's not just the, the one time, you know, when, when they speak about it, but people go back to those TED Talks and listen to them over and over again because their stories are tied to emotional. They've got things that come together and that's where it makes it very very uh, special a good good friend of our family did a ted talk over in yugoslavia mm-hmm. and it was you know a very emotional story for her, but she put it she put it together and really enjoyed it and she's seeing some real real great success over having multiple people even after she's given the ted talk go back and listen to the video all over again and that's where if you put it together well, you know, people want to listen to it. They won't be like the CEO telling you that here's our quarterly sales numbers, you know, work harder. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's an excellent point, Rob. There, what I, I call there are two stories within a story. And what I mean by that is there's the external story. That is what I call the external conflict. And, and you know, for, all, for everybody listening, a story doesn't really begin until there's a conflict. And what that means is, and one of the, this is the best example I've heard, is a gentleman I follow a lot on a podcast called The Business of Story, Park Hal. He said, most people think that this is a story. A beautiful princess met a handsome prince. They fell in love. They got married. They lived happily ever after. Not really a story. You can change that into a story by adding three words. A beautiful princess met a handsome prince. They fell in love. They got married. They lived happily ever after until the abduction. Mm-hmm. Now we've got a story, right? If you're listening, what did you just, what went off in your mind? Who got abducted? <laughs> <laughs> Who abducted that person? Why did they abduct him? Did they survive? All these questions, curiosity, that starts. Uh, that starts the real story. But when I talk about the external versus internal, um, I'll give you an example from my life. I have had the great opportunity twice in my life to drive a real Indianapolis-style race car. Last year, I did it at Indianapolis. I mean, I'm a lifelong IndyCar fan, so this was this was like the greatest moment of my life. 
it was a real struggle at first because of a driver orientation I sat in that scared the living heck out of me. I didn't think of all the possibilities of what could go wrong. You know, it's just like the person who picks up a gun. Yeah, we know we could get shot, but you start hearing what could happen. Oh my God, what am I going to do? So I share that story with people and externally, most people can't relate to it. Most people aren't race car fans and a very small number have ever sat in one. But when I talk about the internal struggle, overcoming that, that nervousness and that fear while in the car and even deeper was a life lesson that I got from it. The life lesson connects with everybody who hears the story. So as you're, you're, you can take stories of, of helping people struggle with handling a firearm and go deeper and talk about a lack of confidence they may have had in general about life mm -hmm. and how just learning how to handle a firearm gave them confidence to go do other things in their life that they never thought they could do. So keep in mind, you're not just teaching people how to handle firearms, especially if they have a lack of confidence or they just have a lot of negativity about themselves. You could help them in much bigger ways. Most, most definitely, because they could potentially, you know, turn around and with that confidence, you know, change their entire life. And, yes. you know, that's where as being an instructor, a teacher, you know, professor, whatever you want to call the person who gets up and, and, you know, gives you know, people instruction. We've got a big obligation to give our give our students the best information possible, and so that they can go out and make the best decisions possible. Um, you know, before before the podcast, Mike and I were talking about just how complicated concealed carry can be between the firearm, about when, where, and how are you legally allowed to. Um, you know, if you're going to be around guns, somebody's going to get hurt, so you got to have some kind of comprehension about first aid and then especially in the area where we live to where in cincinnati ohio around kentucky and in indiana ohio guess what you've got to know a good you've got to understand those laws well enough that you don't get in trouble because as self-defense if you're going to be in an altercation and claim self-defense guess what you've just admitted that you did something it's not normal to where you're innocent until proven guilty you've claimed self-defense and then you've got to go along and defend that and those are all things that make it very complicated to do it and, and be able to go along and put together the mindset properly and, you know, as an instructor with our students and using stories to reinforce it, I think it's extremely valuable. That's interesting. You just used the word mindset, Rob. And, and as a coach, it took me a while, uh, about 18 months ago, I figured, I determined that I was shortchanging my clients, not intentionally. I was teaching all the technical side of speaking and storytelling. And I had that part down. I've been studying it for 20 years. But I realized one day when a woman said to me, everything we worked on, I completely forgot when I got up there because I was so scared and so nervous. And I thought, dummy, you haven't been teaching the mindset. <laughs> and, <laughs> mm -hmm. So what I did from that point is I started giving people the, uh, some exercises to do before they speak. Just some uh, physical exercises, some mental uh, exercises. And, and it occurred to me while you were telling that, same thing can go, I'm sure is true of an instructor of firearms. I'm guessing that you have to deal with some pretty ex extreme mindsets that people have. One of absolute terror to the, um, shall I know we say, everything. 
yeah, John Wayne, I'm going to go shoot him up. And the story you were telling me, the woman who's so frustrated that she's just going to go into her detached uh, garage and start shooting him up. It's like, nah, you might want to change mm-hmm. your mindset <laughs> yeah. if you want to see your family for the next 15 years. Yeah. Well, here's, here's an interesting one that I, that I found out about four or five years ago when it comes to human psychology. The second rule, NRA rule for safe gun handling is keep your finger off the trigger until you're ready to shoot. Mm-hmm. Now, when we say it, it sounds perfectly fine, but we're teaching it's a negative because we're telling people not to put your finger, keep your finger off the trigger. Mm-hmm. What I found is more positive and you get better response from students. And this goes back to mindset is keep your finger on the frame until you're ready to shoot. Oh, that makes sense. Because what I found in students over the last several years have reinforced this is every time you tell people, take your finger off the trigger. Guess what? The last thing they, they think about is trigger. Where do you think their finger ends up back at the next time on the trigger? If you tell them, put it on the frame. The last thing they think about is frame, and it's more likely their finger will end up on the frame because you're teaching to them in a positive manner versus in a negative manner. And that's one of those mindset pieces that's small, but you can have some really big consequences when it comes to um, you know teaching them uh, properly because on the range, at their house, wherever they're going to be carrying, wherever they're going to have a firearm at, if they can remember frame, they're good. But if they keep thinking about trigger, their fingers are eventually going to gravitate back to uh, trigger. And that's just one of those human psychology that we we learn in positives. We don't learn very well in negatives. And that's a good example. And I would call that more of a vignette. But you tell the story of someone who was going through training. And we used to tell them, keep your finger off the trigger, keep your finger off the trigger. And guess what? When the when, when they had were in a situation where they had to shoot, they did it all wrong. <laughs> we changed. We taught them. We started teaching our classes, keep your finger on the frame, keep your finger on the frame until the time to shoot. And when they did, it was they were more conditioned to doing it the right way. That's a quick little example of a story. Mm-hmm. Just a, something really, really, really simple. Yeah. And it doesn't add a whole lot to the class time or to the range time, but it reinforces the point. Versus if I sat there and talked for 10 minutes about you know how somebody – shot themselves or something else like that. That's teaching the negative of it. And it's people are probably going to be more scared of picking up the gun after I tell them, you know, somebody they shot themselves with it. Then if I just go along and give them the story of go along, keep your finger on the frame about it. And I won't be eating up so much class time. And that's one of the things where, um, my, one of my biggest pet peeves with, uh, instructors that go down those rabbit holes, uh, for minutes on end and, and their classes run, run longer than what they really should. Yeah, and that's why it is important to keep the story short when you're in a condensed time frame. And what you just said before uh, reminded me of a quote that comes from my racing hero, Mario Andretti. (laughs) Somebody once asked him, I think it was on 60 Minutes, you know, you're driving these high speeds. How do you keep from crashing? And his answer was, don't look at the wall. Right. It seems like a simplistic answer, but he followed it up by saying, you know, our eyes, our body follows our eyes. And mm-hmm. If you're looking at the wall, you're going to end up in it. Whereas if you stay there looking ahead, then you're going to find that place where you need to be and get to the front of the pack. And I'm same thing here. It, it doesn't always have to be a story. It can be a quote like that. 
Yep. Very keep good. Your, keep your eye on the frame or I, I get, you're not always going to be looking at your gun, but keep your focus on the frame until it's time to pull the trigger. Look exactly where you want to shoot. Not don't look where you don't want to shoot. <laughs> right. Yeah. And, and actually to your point, uh, when we teach people to do multiple target engagements, mm-hmm. we tell them their eyes lead the gun. So you go, you literally look at target, shoot it, look at target, shoot it. Because if you go along and you're moving the gun at the same time as you're looking or you're trying to find the target, you're going to, you're going to swing past it. But because we've got the kinesthetic alignment within our bodies, wherever our eyes are looking, we can immediately put our, put our hands out in front of us and be able to be on target without even really lining up, lining up the sights. Yeah. So that's, so that, that is really cool. That it, also, I'm a big fan of metaphors. Anytime you can use a metaphor to help people understand, uh, uh, take, if they're not used to shooting guns, give them something that they are used to in their everyday life and just use that comparison. Mm-hmm. Yep. There's a lot of little things like that. Yeah. yeah. But Hey Mike, I know we've been talking about not teaching negatively, but are there things that people do storytelling just kind of, you know, curl your skin and everything that you're like, no, never, ever do that. Those are, you know, kind of forbidden storytelling type of, uh, approaches. Yeah. This is a one that I've only recently encountered, but now I hear it all the time. And that I know we're going to talk books later. This is a book I highly recommend. It's called narrative is everything by Randy Olson. Randy is a PhD retired biologist who became a, a filmmaker. And what he talks about is a story structure called ABT. ABT stands for and, but, and therefore. And I won't get into all the details, but he said that it's the most effective story structure there is because it introduces the until the abduction moment, right? The but. So what, what, what it means in a nutshell is you've got a series of facts. This happened and this happened and this happened and this happened. It's just a bunch of narrative, as we said before. And that's not a story. It's, it's boring. Mm-hmm. The story kicks in when the word but or some version of but is introduced, as in until the abduction. Now you've got the audience curious, and eventually you lead to a point which is set up by the word therefore. So in our prince and princess story, you know, until the abduction, the princess got abducted. Uh, the prince got all of his men together. They went out into the kingdom, and eventually they found the abductors. They re- rescued the princess. Therefore, they lived happily ever after. All right. Mm-hmm. So long way to answer your question, but what I don't like is a story that's just this happened and this happened and this happened and this happened and, and there's no point to the story. <laughs> right? so, I think it's most people just got caught up in their own narrative and they think they're telling a story. Don't do that. Ask yourself when you're putting stories together, what's the purpose? What do I want people to think, feel, or do differently when mm-hmm. the story is over? Exactly. I find that most people don't do that. They just get up there and they entertain themselves. Yeah. Well, it's kind of, uh, you know, my little pet peeve with, uh, instructors also is they entertain themselves or they come, they take things completely off topic. And Mm -hmm. that's one of those things to where, you know, as we were talking about, you know, we're talking about grip on a pistol. Okay. Let's go along and introduce the concept of keeping the finger on the frame. Don't go along and talk about something completely, you know, different because students are all primed to listen to and 
hear what you're saying about one topic. And if you switch gears, all of a sudden people are going to be sitting there scratching their head. It's like, well, am I supposed to be listening to the first part or listening to the second part? And that's all the human psychology behind it about how we listen and how we're processing our minds. Yeah, that's exactly right. Especially when you're in six hours of training, they're a lot more eager in the first 10 minutes than they are at hour five minute 10. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, There's one, I'll answer your question with a one A and a one B. The other part of storytelling or presentations in general that is a real pet peeve is when they don't effectively use silence. For example, six hours of training does not mean you have to speak for six hours. You probably need to speak for about four hours total and have about two hours of silence in between those so that they can actually consider the ramifications of what you're teaching them. When you ask them questions, this is an old term we use in coaching, shut up. (laughs) Let them think about the implication of your points or your questions. And I'm not pointing fingers when I say that. I used to be really bad at it. Well, and I've also found, don't ask them, what are your, or, you know, does anybody have any questions? You know, ask the question like, okay, you know, ask your questions now. And then, you know, because that's, that's also a different way of doing it because you just say, Hey, does anybody have any questions? Nobody wants to be the first one raising your hand. You go along and say, Hey, okay, ask your questions. We just, you know, I just finished up that chapter in the, in the lesson. Mm-hmm. And give me your questions. And then people are like, okay, you know, I'll be the first one to ask the question. And, you know, then you start getting into constructive ground versus trying, you know, putting the person, the first person on, on the spot to where, okay, do I want to be the first one to raise my hand? Just go to go with the whole concept of, you know, give me your questions now about this topic. Yeah. Another idea, this isn't really storytelling, but it comes from the presentation world. And I'm not sure how all the, I I know you have a a certain amount of information you have to get across in, in firearm training, but something I love to do in my workshops is after every section, I do what's called takeaways. Ask me, what's one takeaway that you got from this section? Mm -hmm. That reinforces the lesson or it brings up misconceptions. Sometimes people will hear something differently than what you intended. That way you can go and you can clarify it, and we usually clarify it with a story. Yep. Those are all really, really good points. And I'm really hoping, you know, instructors out there take, take this to, uh, to really to heart. Uh, I know we haven't, we haven't gone along and uh, gotten super in depth in storytelling, uh, during this podcast, but it's, I think everybody should get a really good understanding that there's, there's a certain science to it of putting together a good story that can connect with people and it can really augment your, your training. Um, yeah. You mentioned TEDx. I actually did an audition this past weekend. I've been coaching TEDx Cincinnati for five years and I've auditioned a couple of times, but I waited to uh, audition f- this time because I was waiting for a unique perspective on storytelling and I finally got it. And this one is an exercise that I do in workshops that proves people uh, uh, to people experientially that we think in stories. The only challenge I see with introducing a lot of research into why we should tell stories is it's too theoretical. Mm -hmm. I finally found an experience that I could put people through in a short time to prove to them that we think in story and it's why we as instructors have to tell stories because our audience is thinking that way anyway. And if we don't effectively 
craft and deliver our stories, there's a very good chance that our audience is telling themselves a story we don't want them telling, mm -hmm. right? especially with something as serious as how to handle a firearm. We have to be crystal clear in what we're getting across or it could lead to a tragedy. Mm -hmm. Yep. And that's, that's why students come to us to go along and hopefully advert those tragedies and you know, that's, that's a real biggest responsibility for us as instructors. And we owe it to our students to give them the best possible experience that we can give them. Well, in that the story that I mentioned that you and I were talking about earlier, it wasn't ha uh, the woman who <laughs> said, if somebody else comes into my garage again, I'm going to go out there and I'm going to shoot him. Well, that's not a, a, a technique issue. Mm -hmm. That's a story about here's what will happen to you based on mm -hmm. the law of Ohio. <laughs> if you do that, she needs to hear the story of what will happen not because she used poor technique, but because she used poor mindset. Right. Yep. And that's where, in that kind of situation, reinforce it with the student of, of why, why was she in class? And, you know, the bottom line, why most people take a concealed carry course, take firearm courses, is so they can defend themselves and make it home to their family, you know, yeah. to their spouse, to their parents, you know, those types of things. Everything else is superfluous to it. As long as they can make it home, that's a win, you know, for that day. And if they go along and they put themselves in, in danger because of the decision they make, like this woman wanted to go out to detach her garage to, you know, pr to take care of these people that were uh, robbing from her. Well, guess what? She's just increased her odds of potentially getting hurt and mm -hmm. potentially a fatal injury, which what that would prevent her from going back to her family. And when you put in that perspective, guess what? She rethought, you know, what? what her car was worth in the garage and the stuff that she keeps in the garage. And, you know, that's, that puts things in perspective, you know, the proper mindset for it. Yeah. And again, that's a story. And mm -hmm. that's a story that you want her creating in her mind when she can see the potential ramifications of doing something. I'm not, I won't say stupid. Okay. Not being smart in her choice about rushing out there with a, a loaded 45 to shoot somebody stealing her car. Mm-hmm you let her create the story in her mind of, Oh, that may not be my best option. Yep. There could be a lot of, a uh, lot of di different things going on. Mm -hmm. well, well, Hey Mike, um, question we've been asking all our guests this year. Yes, sir. What, what kind of, what books are you reading this year? I've got uh, the one I just mentioned. Narrative is everything by Randy Olson. Uh, just give me a whole different perspective on storytelling. I will tell you, if you read it, I will warn you, he is fairly liberal in his politics. I look past that to the structure. So if, if you're somebody <laughs> who's not a big fan of liberal politics, and I'm <laughs> guessing that might be he, uh, here on, uh, uh, with a group who's big on the Second Amendment, just beware, but look past all that. I really don't care what his politics are. He teaches a very effective story structure. Uh, a couple of other books that you got to be pretty in, you really love this topic, but uh, they're called Story Smart and Story Proof by Dr. Kendall Haven. He's done a deep dive into the psychology of storytelling and what we've proven through research. Probably the best book, and I go back to this one time and time again, is The Presentation Secrets of Steve Jobs by Carmine Gallo. I think Carmine is the best journalist out there today talking about storytelling and presentations. It just talks about why Jobs was so effective with an audience. I mean, he 
I mean, his speeches are legendary. And this will give you some of the, just the basics. Just like in, in firing a firearm, you've got to have the basics down. And this gives you the basics of effective presenting. So those are five I'd, or four I'd recommend off the top of my head. Okay. And I will include links in the show notes for people that might be interested in checking those out. Sure. And where can people find more information about Michael Davis and Speaking CPR? You can go to speakingcpr.com. And while you're there, I would invite you to, or you, you can either go there or you can just shoot me an email at mike at speakingcpr.com. And for your listeners, I'm more than happy to uh, offer you my 52 storytelling tips. This is a weekly five-minute audio that's sent to your email address. And the idea behind this, Rob, is to slowly build the skill of storytelling one lesson at a time uh, instead of you know, taking a fire hose and just shooting all this information at you at once, just little by little. And if you practice these, after, you know, within a year, you'll be significantly better. I know that because in, in creating them and how I learned them, it, I, I'm a much better storyteller because of that complimentary, uh, no cost or obligation to you. It's my list. Uh, so nobody else gets it. Uh, feel free to sign up for those on the homepage of the website, or you can contact me, Mike at speaking CPR.com. Great. You got any uh, seminars coming up any, anytime soon? Actually, I do. For people in the Cincinnati area, uh, we're recording this in the middle of February. At the end of March, I will be doing a program called Stop Telling Just Any Story how to craft and deliver stories that people want to hear. That'll be March 28th at the Home Two Suites in Westchester, Ohio. Uh, and again, if you just shoot me an email, Mike at speakingcpr.com, if you're in the Cincinnati area, I'll be happy to uh, send out some information to you about that. Okay, that sounds great. It'd be really good. Well, Mike, we really appreciate you uh, being coming on the podcast. My pleasure, um, Rob. I can always love talking stories. Mm -hmm. Well, as I hopefully made it worthwhile for everybody listening to this. Uh, you know, we, we talk a lot of firearms and a lot of, uh, adult learning theory, but it's, I think it's also just as important to go along and improve our public speaking skills and how we communicate with our students, the public on, on this topic of when it comes to firearms. So, you know, really appreciate you taking your, taking your time tonight for this. Yeah. I love what you're doing and uh, keep up the good work. Thanks. Well, that's a wrap. And we've got a few requests for our loyal listeners. Visit our sponsor, Firearms Trainers Association at ftaprotect.com and check out their instructor insurance. Remember, being a responsible instructor means having insurance coverage for yourself as well as your students. And remember to use promo code FTP10 at checkout for 10% off. Share this podcast on your social media. Uh, write us at FTP at concealedcarry.com. Let us know your feedback. If you've got questions, input, ideas for new episodes, uh, send them all to us. Uh, also, go along, if you haven't already, subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you listen to us at. Remember, we bring you this podcast to support the industry, the Second Amendment, and most importantly, every firearm instructor in America that dedicates time and energy into making gun owners more knowledgeable. Use your stories constructively and stay safe, everyone. Concealed Carry Inc. and ConcealedCarry.com strives to share helpful information and education about gun-related topics, training tips, and other things that may potentially have legal implications for its listeners. The information contained in this podcast is intended in good faith, but it is important to understand that laws vary from place to place, and we encourage listeners to seek local legal advice to understand laws that apply to them. Nothing in this podcast should be misconstrued as legal advice or counsel.